every key on your keychain is like a noose around your neck, you know, the keys to your car, the keys to your house, like the keys to your storage unit. Like, and I had no keys. I just felt so elated. And now life is exactly what I can write it. I can choose any direction from here. It's a wonderful feeling to start fresh. And I think sometimes we suffer great loss, but we can move past that and it might be the most amazing thing. Do you love your business? You should, right? Well, sometimes we just don't. It's my hope that this, the My Daily Business Coach podcast, helps you regain a little of that lost love by providing tips and tactics, tools, insights, inspiration, all the good stuff to help you actually enjoy running your business. In addition to actionable tips and tactics that you'll be able to execute immediately, you'll also hear from creative small business owners around the world who've been able to sidestep the hustle and build a business that merges their passion with their purpose and provides a profit. I'm your host, Fiona Kalaki, founder of My Daily Business Coach. Let's get going. Hello and welcome to episode 178 of the My Daily Business Coach podcast. I have to say, if you are listening to this, well done, because this interview today is going to really impact you. I know that when I did this interview, I just felt incredibly inspired and I feel pretty inspired by pretty much everyone that I interview. I have to say that this one in particular has been one that I have told so many friends and so many clients that when this goes out, I will send you the link because this woman is absolutely phenomenal in what she has created, how she just has lived her life and yeah, cannot wait to get into it. So just pat yourself on the back for choosing this particular episode to listen to. And thank you for being here. Now, before we jump into this amazing interview episode, I want to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians on the beautiful land on which I work and play and record this podcast. I'm literally looking out at it right now, feeling incredibly lucky to be where I am and surrounded by nature. So yes, I want to pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and also acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. I also want to pay my respects to any other Aboriginal people from different parts of the world who might be tuning in and listening. Thank you so much for being here and you are so very welcome. All right, on to today's interview episode. So we get pitched by a lot of people to be on this podcast, which is really, really nice. And we like seeing them a lot of the time have to say they're, they're just not right. You can tell that it's just been a cut and paste job. And I have to say with this next one, when it came through, I was super intrigued. I was like, no, no, no. Cause Erica, my VA, she handles all of the, all of the requests that come in and she kind of sends ones forward that she thinks I might be interested in. And she sent this one forward and I was like, Yes, 100% yes. And I have to say that, yes, I was intrigued by that initial email that came through, but when I actually met the guest and got off an hour and a bit, I think we actually talked for like an hour and a half, when I got off that call, I just felt like I am so glad that that email came through. I am so glad that we interviewed this person because it's a real example of 
not feeling like you have to follow the rules and doing things differently and doing things perhaps that other people might think is kind of out there, but doing it anyway. And so my guest today is the wonderful Sarah Andrews. She is a best-selling author, a scientist, a stylist, an iconic teacher, and she is also the brains behind the hosting masterclass, as well as, like I mentioned before, Captain's Rest. And recently, Sarah has also launched another course. So her hosting masterclass, which we actually talk about quite a bit in this episode, has done phenomenally well. And she has students from all over the world. And you just need to look at the reviews on her website. They are very plentiful and very, very appreciative in their words. And she's also created another course, which is the principles of styling and storytelling. And so you can find out a whole lot about Sarah at Sarah Andrews Co on Instagram. And you can also find out a whole lot over at the hosting masterclass and at Captain's Rest. And we'll of course link to all of those in the show notes. But in this episode, we talk about how Sarah went from, you know, she studied spatial science and she moved to London and got this amazing job, you know, really coveted, everybody wanted the job and then realized I'm not that happy. I I don't know why I'm not that happy. I've had this great job, you know, people die to have this job and here I am and I'm just not feeling it. And so she talked about what she did with that. Where did she go with that? And this story is out of this world. And as you would expect, because she is an incredible storyteller, but it's just something, you know, as she kept talking, I kept thinking this needs to be a TV show or a book at least. It is just a beautiful story. And of course, her story is far from over. (laughs) She is still so young and has created so much. And is just one of those people who I feel is incredibly down to earth and humble about her achievements. But one of those people that if you were talking to them at a dinner party and they started talking about this, you would just, you would think, are they making this up? It is all real and it is all very, very inspiring. So here it is. Not going to leave you hanging any longer. My interview with Sarah Andrews, the owner and founder of the Hosting Masterclass and Captain's Rest. Hello, Sarah. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Oh, you're so welcome. I am really excited about this. And thank you so much for making the time because it is Sunday and you're, you know, giving up part of your weekend to do this because you're on the other side of the world. So can you tell us where you are and and how's it all going over there? Yeah, it's good. I'm in California. So if you're listening in Australia, I am a day and eight hours ahead or behind. It's very confusing. I I still kind of hard to get my head around, even though I know how it works, but I am, I have been traveling around the world in a weird time in the pandemic for the last nine months wow. to Europe and America. So it's a really interesting time <laughs> to be out here, I think, yeah. best way I can describe it. Like, how did you keep up to date with, because things are changing. I mean, at least here in Australia, I'm not sure what it's like over there. And I know I've got some good friends in Europe and like one of them lives in Amsterdam and even that she's like, oh, every week the rules change. And so how did you keep up to date with, okay, I'm supposed to go here tomorrow. Or did you have a plan or did you just sort of go, well, let's just see what's open. What can I do? (laughs) What can I do this week? Initially I I flew to Europe because I have a base there and I was working on a project there for a couple of months. 
So I got out of Australia for work reasons and everybody I talked to thought I was crazy. <laughs> Why would you leave? And I just sort of thought, well, you know, life needs to go on and I need to keep working. I love what I do. And I've been in Australia for a year and a half at that point, whereas normally I would not be there for that long. But it was a very weird experience flying from Tasmania to Barcelona <laughs> last year and getting out of the airport and everyone's just partying like no masks what people everywhere like dancing in the streets I just it was the craziest experience I remember having like coffee with my friend in Barcelona and like not being able to have a conversation with him because he was the like first person I'd actually have a conversation with in real life for like a year I found a really just weird dissociation like I just wanted to look at him through a screen and I would feel more comfortable and this is someone I'd known for 20 years so it was just a really weird experience but now I mean obviously things change all the time country to country but it just feels like normal life like here in California there was no masks anywhere no masks no one had to mask at all inside yeah no mask and then a week ago they brought back in masks inside so everyone just like pulled the mask out of the you know car door and back on and and nobody even spoke about it or it wasn't really big news it was just kind of all right you know so yeah it's it's interesting it's very interesting and obviously being Australian and all my friends back home watching what you guys are going through there having all these big waves for the first time and all of the emotion around that and fear and yeah it's it's a really weird experience. It is a really weird experience. I was literally just talking to my husband about this last night. I studied sociology at uni and during that you had to read all the Dostoevsky books, or not all of them, but quite a few. And there was this book, I can't remember which one it was. It might've been Notes from the Underground, but it had a line in it. And this is like 20 years ago, but it has always stood with me, which was man can become accustomed to anything. Yes, you really can. And I was saying to my husband, you know, a year ago we had a thousand cases and it was like, oh my God, we've got a thousand cases. And now we've got a hundred thousand. And yet we're not like, we're not freaking out. more. And, and I sort of was like, wow, you really can get accustomed to anything. And this pandemic yeah. brought us that again and again, like masks, yes. you know, it's, it's really full on. And so when you said that you talked to your friend face to face and it was a bit uncomfortable, Maybe if I misread that, was that? How yes, you- yes. Oh, yeah, okay. You know, I, this is someone I'd known most of my life, you know, closest friend. I was so excited to see him. And because I had spent the last couple of years talking to him through a screen, like just sitting across from him in a restaurant, talking to him with people all around, I was just freaking out, you know, not because I was worried about getting COVID, just because it was such an unnatural experience to do that. Yeah. Just noticing that was just wild. You know, I just really wild like I was out eating ice creams to two in the morning like just I felt like I was 18 and just out of you know out for the first time because I was so desensitized in isolation I guess yeah and so when you when you said before you left to go for this last travel nine months stint did you when you said I hadn't seen anyone for a year and were you living in Tasmania because we'll get yeah to- I live in Tasmania I live in this it's basically a castle on the sea it's beautiful oh, wow. beautiful place in and it's quite remote I'm about an hour from Hobart oh wow and I just sat there for a year on my own like oh. my family are in WA my friends are in Melbourne you know so I 
hung out with myself, <laughs> like did Zoom quiz nights <laughs> with everybody in Sydney and Melbourne and wrote my book and went to bed every night at like 4.30, woke up at 3, you know, just got into really weird sleeping patterns and kind of an interesting experience and I feel very lucky to have been in Tasmania because it's a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I spent most of my life being a bit of a vagabond and that's how I feel most comfortable. So it was a difficult experience for me to be so still. Yeah, and we're going to get into your really interesting businesses in a second, but you just sort of touched on it then that you've spent most of your life being a vagabond. When I was researching you for this podcast, I was like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> so much <laughs> stuff you've done beforehand and any one of those things could have been you know, the biggest thing in somebody's life and you've done this plus this plus this. So could you talk us through kind of, you know, what did you do before you started the businesses, which we'll talk about in a second, and and can you talk us through some of the adventures that you've had up until this point? Yes. So I grew up in WA, in a little tiny dusty town where nothing really was going on, and I ended up studying like a very niche area of sciences in Perth called spatial sciences Wow. And at the time, it was like a very new field of science that was kind of more something you'd apply to everything like maths or physics. So that's the best way I could describe it. And it was very like exciting and everybody in the world needed it. So I got this fantastic job in London where I was like global head of spatial sciences and I would wow. fly around and, you know, help everyone with their incredible projects, like building the Olympic Park in London and the new London Underground's going in and stuff in Dubai and it was really like cool and exciting for a young person. And was that straight out of uni, can I say? Yes. I think I had a I had a job in Australia, like a stepping stone job with a consult big consultancy that, that's in Australia. But I as a young person just wanted to explore the world and see something new and experience new things. And being half English you know England's a great place for someone with residency to go and work because English speaking and everything's kind of transferable so it was kind of naturally the progression so I could you know experience Europe and Mm -hmm. live in a really big city and and do all the things that you want to do when you're 21 and Mm -hmm. you grew up in a small town in WA so yeah it was a, a wonderful time but you know I got to like 23 and I just wasn't really happy like it's I think a lot of people can relate I was so excited by the work I was doing and I was interested in it I was good at it and but going to work every day from nine to five it's just like a very difficult thing to do I don't know that everyone has this experience but I found it like torture like actual torture that I have to wake up and get dressed and go to work every day and have the same conversations at the coffee station with the same 15 people. Yep. And I just thought, I just can't do this. Like, and I pushed down that feeling because I felt like I had everything like a young person was supposed to have. I'd owned a house in Australia. I bought just before the boom, my first job. You owned a house before you were 23. I mean, you know, back in like the early 2000s, it wasn't. That yeah, actually it wasn't. I, like should, it was, yeah, I should say, I to yeah, put it I into agree. perspective. Like, it was like, I think, I can't remember where I paid for my house, but it was like $130,000. And I, you know, got a mortgage and I had a wage and it was like a small part of my wage and renters. Like, it wasn't 
It's not now where they're like a million, 1.5 million. <laughs> yes, it was the time before, if anyone can remember it. You know, I had this like amazing job in central London and like the best place in the world to work for, for what I was doing and cool friends and I was just so miserable. Like I just couldn't envision a life just spanning on like this. I was just like, wow, like people retire in their 60s and this will be my life. Like if this is the peak of life, I was just so depressed and needed to medicate myself, like, you know, go to therapy, drink a lot, keep really busy. I just really tried to find a way to accept life. Mm. That's a really sad thing to even just that term, sorry, accept, to accept it. Yeah, I mean, I think I, when I was growing up, like, you know, like you have people come to your school and tell you about like universities and careers and things and it was really made out that the life path I was on was really kind of the pinnacle of what life could be for mm-hmm. a young person and there were no other options unless you wanted to be a tradie or unemployed. You know, so I just really, I didn't have anyone in my life or had experienced anyone in my life that was different to that, that, Mm. you know, wasn't, had a drinking problem or like a bad role Mm. model, you know. So I decided to take a couple of years off. I just sold my house. It was in Darwin and I sold it for a lot more money than I bought it for because of the the boom was happening in Australia Mm. and my accountant was like, you should pay off your hex and like put it into super. And I was like, no, thanks. I'm just going to spend it. So I transferred the money into my British bank account and just started traveling around the world to see if I could find what it is that would make me happy and what I was looking for. I just knew I couldn't do what I was doing. And so I was sort of at like a, a crossroads, I guess. And it wasn't a big exciting, it was more of a search out of desperation. Mm. So, you know, I did that for a couple of years and I had an, an amazing time, but I remember I had travelled the entire world and everywhere at my leisure, slowly spending everything I should have repaid my hex with and <laughs> my, my super for my future. And I ended up like, you know, in America and more miserable than when I started because I hadn't found anything that sort of lit me up. And then a boat sail passed. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy a boat and I'm going to sail around, <laughs> like back around the way I came. Like maybe by the time I finished that journey, I'll find what I'm looking for. I was just kind of finding ways to, I guess, waste time. Or And did you know how to sail? No, I'd never, never sailed before. I'd oh. barely been on a boat, but I... I've always been a quick learner and I just thought, well, how hard can it be? (laughs) You know, I launched into it like a professional, you know, I created like a project plan and I hired a guy and I went to school for it and I got, you know, people in to consult and help me buy the right boat and then I spent nearly a year training to do it on my own. So it wasn't like a frivolous thing Mm -hmm. but that's kind of the boring part of the story is just the hard work of reading and, and learning. Yeah, I ended up off on my own on a, a beautiful little boat, a solo adventure in the seas, which was an incredible thing. I think I did that for like nearly a year after wow. learning. And did you just, did you go in to places and stay there for a bit? Yeah, yeah. So I, 
I wasn't like someone who wanted to like, I'm going to sail around the world in 60 days. So that wasn't really my thing, but I just wanted to live on my boat. And I think for the first time I had my own home space, it was a boat, but I loved like reupholstering the, you know, the seats and buying artwork for the walls and little plants and finding things at op shops and special cups. I had two special cups that I loved and, I was like 25 at this point and it was just so beautiful to have my own space mm. and like a little floating home. So I'd kind of sail into this little bay and I'd live there for a few weeks and I would sail off and like find some other little place and live there for a few weeks. And I had a bike and I would just like drag it to shore and then cycle around like whatever little town I was near or lay on the beach, paint and read. And I didn't have a phone or a computer or anything. So I it was just totally wow. off the grid and it was beautiful. Like it, for the first time in my life, I was very happy. You know, mm. I'd found this like extreme happiness and a sense of place and I never wanted life to change. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to continue to take, make money, but I have enough money for another year or so and I'll figure it out then. I just was thrilled. That sounds idyllic. And can I ask a really practical question? <laughs> you do have a phone or a computer. How did you stay in touch with your family? Or did you stay in touch with them Was and your friends? Were they like, oh, my gosh, Sarah's gone like loco and she's out <laughs> boat in the ocean by herself? Well, I mean, at this point I've been travelling for a few years, so people were kind of used to me off the grid. I had Facebook and an email address and I would go to internet cafes. So this was like, I, I don't know if they still exist. <laughs> I would go to internet cafes and like buy a coffee and a bag of Doritos and <laughs> spend like four hours Skyping with people. That's what we used to do. It makes me feel so old, but Skyping people, up, uploading pictures to Facebook, like, yeah, it was, that's how I sort of did it. But it was kind of every couple of weeks I would check in and say hi. But people were kind of used to me not being on the radar, so it was easier. Mm, wow. And how did you go at, like, navigation? My father was a captain on a ship for most of his life and he was one of the last, actually, celestial navigators in the world so he could completely navigate by the stars. How did you navigate? Because I'm guessing... You know, you didn't buy this high-tech boat with, like, radar no. systems and stuff. Did you just no. literally have a map <laughs> and try and figure out your way? Yeah. Yes. The lucky thing was really, honestly, the one of the hardest things about sailing is navigation. It's not at the actual sailing. The actual sailing isn't too complicated. Understanding the weather and mm. understanding navigation are your two big things. But luckily, with my degree in spatial science, I had like basically a master's degree in navigation. So that was no problem for me. I could, I was teaching myself celestial navigation at the time. So I would do it by maps and I had some equipment for celestial navigation. So I was trying to learn that. And then I would check my, I would check my work on like a little handheld GPS to see like how exact I could get my calculations so that was a really fun maths game I used to play with myself (laughs) yeah that's yeah it was really fun I loved doing stuff like that wow and so a lot of people know you for captain's rest which is the first business that we'll talk about I mean they're both so so interconnected but so then how did you go from 
being this 25-year-old and this kind of idyllic lifestyle and, and I've got enough, enough cash for another year to ending up in a super remote part of Tasmania, when especially when you're not from Tasmania, and getting a house and then it becoming a you know hugely popular Airbnb destination. So I ended up sinking my boat on a dark and stormy night off Mexico. <laughs> and it was just like, it was really just a worst case scenario. Like, you know, some people sink boats, but boats don't sink as fast as you think unless like something really bad happens, like an iceberg. But, you know, you usually have a couple of hours, <laughs> you know, and usually in that time, most people are within close enough range for people to come and get them off the sinking boat but I was like really in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night in a big storm oh, wow. very far away from from the coast and it was a very you know very bad situation but I ended up getting rescued by the navy uh, about six hours into the ordeal and then this like really weird period of my life happened where I was like basically penniless because you know, the rescue and cleanup of boats cost money. Everything I really had was on the boat, including all the money I had in cash. Oh. And so you couldn't get that before you got off the boat. Like, I mean, it wasn't my priority. It was yeah, like kind of like I'm gonna die. I need to survive. <laughs> <laughs> I need to stay alive. I wasn't thinking about oh, what should I take? <laughs> I mean, I didn't have. I wasn't wearing like a bra. I just had a jumper and tracksuit pants on and a life. Best. And that's all I got pulled out of the water with. I didn't have shoes. I didn't have a toothbrush. I had oh. no passport. I had nothing. And so it was like a, a difficult time. I spent about six months living in like a little beach shack in Mexico with the locals, working out how to get home. So I was kind of this like I had no visa to be in the country but no passport to get out. So I was kind of... I'm trying not to bring too much attention to my situation because I didn't want to go to immigration prison. Mm. And yeah, I had no money. So I kind of lived off the goodwill of fishermen passing by and, you know, foraging in the ocean for myself. Wow. And I got back to Australia like maybe nine months later and just I'd been through this crazy experience that spanned a couple of years. And I was in a weird place where I'm like, nothing really matters. <laughs> I'm just going to do what makes me happy because I just, it's a very disconnecting experience to, to that. Like a, a lot of people who've been through, you know, traumatic situations in war situations, mm. refugees, like those really extreme circumstances can probably relate. It's like a, when you have a big experience in your life, it really disconnects you, I think, from what it feels like most of humanity because mm. they can't understand yeah. what you've been through and how that felt. But going back to Melbourne, getting on Centrelink and Study, and decided to build my hex up a little bit higher and go back and study design at RMIT. Oh, wow. Because I was not ready to go back into the workforce. You know, after everything I'd been through to get away from the nine to five, I thought, I will just go and make, do what makes me happy. And I think, like, I was talking to a friend and they gave me the advice you should always do for a living what you do in your spare time. And on spare time, mm. I was, you know, designing maps, designing my home. Like, I love design, endlessly looking at houses, you know, just it was my passion. But as a young person, I never believed it could be my 
work because of it's just not it's like you know, your parents never want you to go to art school because you probably won't get a job at the end of that kind of. <laughs> That's me. I, went to, I did an yeah. art school. <laughs> and then it was like, do three more degrees. I, I had a massive hex debt as well. So I feel <laughs> yes. But yes, it was that whole, you're not going to get a job out of that. Yeah. I mean, it's a, but like at nearly 30 and having gone through this experience, I didn't care. I, I loved design and I was good at it. And I, I thought, well, if I can get like a, a small job or I'm a freelancer, like I'll make enough to live and I'll be happy doing what I'm doing. And that's what I'm going to do. So I did that and, you know, ended up doing all the things that people do when I get back into the real world. I ended up getting married and starting a small design business and, buying a house and a car and so quickly my life looked like like a normal person's life I think after getting washed up from Mexico so I just really wasn't coping with it all I think I just didn't have a chance to I missed my old life my boat so much I just mm. what's all I wanted to do is just be back there alone like reading by oil lamp like listening to the ocean you know just being so remote and free and happy and I decided the solution for this would be to buy a very remote cabin in Tasmania <laughs> at a place where nobody goes for a very small amount of money. I think it was like $80,000. And wow. I would spend like part of my life down there and part of my life back in the real world. And I would try and find balance that way. But during that time, I ended up, you know, going through a very surprising like quick divorce and I was quite sick at the time with health issues and all I had left was this little cabin and all I could do was Airbnb it like it's the only way I could make money I was living at home with my parents I was incredibly sick incredibly ruined going through still going through this horrible divorce and um I needed to make it work so that's how Captain's Rest came into the world. It was like not a plan at all. It was a passion that never really eventuated. It was supposed to be my place to kind of go, but um, it ended up needing to be my business. So that's how it all came about. Yeah, it's a quite a long backstory <laughs> to a very small space. but <laughs> No, wow. I think I read this somewhere that you called it Captain's Rest because yes. of this story is that correct yes yeah yeah, yeah. I mean I, I am a captain I'm a qualified actual captain I have wow. a, like a license and I, I can change my name and my passports it's like to Captain Sam if I wanted to I you know, was the other day I'm like I don't know it's like a bit weird <laughs> no I loved it I used to always know who was calling if they said is Captain Captain Kalaki there because it would be like a work call for my dad and I think it's cool I think I'm old enough now too yes yeah. before I was I felt too young to do that my great-grandfather was a very famous sea captain oh, wow. and um in Bristol his hub master Bristol as well but yeah I think now I'm nearly 40 I think I should change my name to captain and imagine all the conversations you're going to have at customs when they're like oh captain what do you do I think, <laughs> well really I <laughs> And maybe I just hope for some more upgrades on the flights. That would be great. <laughs> yes. And you can have your, you know, your credit card with Captain. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. Oh, I'm inspired. Yes, I will do that. That's my <laughs> 2022 plan. Totally. And so then when was that that you bought the property? What year? Do you remember? I'm not good with years because the last two years has felt like 
one, but yeah. I'm like, is it tw- are we still in twenty twenty? What year are we in? Twenty twenty two now. I can't do the maths backwards, but I have owned it for about six years now. Yeah. So this was before Tasmania was like a popular place to go. Mm-hmm. It was before Airbnb was really a thing. Back then mm-hmm. Airbnb was like a really was like people's spare rooms. Like when yeah. they're on holidays, you could rent their house, like all their stuff in their fridge, that kind of vibe. Yeah. So it was like a very different landscape to what it is now. Wow. And so when you bought it, did you have to, when you said, you know, you got it for 80000 which is like it's a bargain, <laughs> yeah. any, any part of the country, was it ready to go? Did you have to use your design skills to, because it looks absolutely stunning on your Instagram? Yes. So if you Google, I can't remember, if you go through the sold listings, you'll find it. But it was horrible. It was basically just a green shed on the end of a jetty with like aluminium framed 20-year-old windows and like rabbit warren chip rock walls and like horrible smelling curtains. It was like if you can imagine like a Tasmanian fishing man shack from like mm-hmm. not even a cute era, that's what it was. But I had I had a budget, so I bought it for 80000 I think my deposit on it was like 8000 10% deposit. Wow. And I had, had a credit card with like an 8000 I think a $10,000 limit. So that was like my renovation budget, which <laughs> obviously blew out. But I think as I went through the process of making it my own, and I did most of the work myself and with the help of another guy, it took about six months because it was kind of a passion project and I felt a sense like, you know, at the time when I was doing it, I was quite sick. Like I was looking at, you know, potentially not being here anymore, that kind of sick. Mm-hmm. And Captain's Rest felt, creating it felt like a swan song, which was like everything I'd experienced in my life, which was beautiful to me. I want to create around me and, and create this space where I feel like where I want to be in the world. So it was like an expression of what I wanted to see in the world around me. So you know, I found these beautiful old windows out of an old school from Launceston and all, everything in there I found and dragged in there and kind of created the world that I wanted. So it wasn't like, yeah, it's, it's unrecognisable. If you can find the, the listing for my property, maybe I can send it to you if you've got yeah. or something. Yeah. People can see what it used to look like. Very different. Wow. And so did the did it instantly become a rental? I know you said you built it for yourself and it hasn't kind of eventuated to that. And now it is, I believe, sold out, like rented out months or a year in advance. So I was there renovating for about six to nine months, I think. So I lived there. I lived on, on site, like in this little shack, no one around me. There's a little, like, it's in a little fishing village, but at the time they were all empty, like kind mm-hmm. of a ghost town. Yeah. And so I got a good nine months there alone. And it was one of the most incredible times of my life. It was, I felt like I was back on my boat, but in an even better way. Mm -hmm. So it was everything I wanted, but I had to share it. There was this issue of income. So Mm -hmm. I didn't want to, and I also didn't think it would go well. You know, locals in the village told me that they, get visitors here between Christmas and New Year, but never any other time. And they're like, you won't even get a renter. Like it was not a tourist place and just too far from Hobart or Launceston for people to come. So I really like launched into it as, as I had done in my science career. You know, as a scientist, my job was to go into 
onto projects and to other disciplines and help them solve what hadn't been understood yet. So mm-hmm. that was my job. So I'd go in and basically create new knowledge for them where there were areas they couldn't understand how they worked, why they worked, how they could make whatever they were doing better. So my job was knowing the unknowable. So I applied that to Airbnb. I figured out like all the parts that I had to master and I did a lot of research and I started running models on like listings and successful listings and unsuccessful listings in the tourism industry. Like I just fully launched into every aspect of it to figure out if I could create I could crack the code basically because I needed to. Mm, wow. And now you teach that to other people. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't the plan either. So Captain's Dress, I mean, obviously within three months it would sold out every night and, wow. you know, at, for quite a bit of money, which kept going up and up, like the demand was just crazy. I just had to keep putting my prices up because we had queues of people. Like every month I'd have a list of like 60 people who were waiting for a cancellation and wow. I just had to keep putting my price up to just try and like, you know, figure it out. And then really like I started just getting floods and floods of emails from women basically around Australia saying like, can you help me? Can I hire you? Like, what are you doing? You know, can you style for me? Like, all these questions. And I started going into that field of work of just working one-on-one with people. What I found was I was just essentially just teaching them my process and putting their inputs into it. So their background, their home, the way they want to live. Like I was giving them my method and they were putting in themselves it got to the point where I just couldn't get to everyone who wanted to work with me. So I put a workshop on and every single one of those people went out and it instantly became like crazy successful, like on the covers of every magazine. And, and then everyone was like, well, what have you done? And they're like, we did, we went and studied with Sarah Andrews. And so yeah, one class of 30 went to the next year I taught 700 people. And then People just couldn't, I could not put on enough workshops. Like I just could, and people just could sometimes couldn't fly in. They were in England or Africa. So Mm. I went and filmed my class and put it online because I really felt passionate that anyone who wanted to learn what I did should be able to because it had given me so much success. Like I felt like Captain's Dress had given me like a very decent income of like 150000 a year just from this little shack and any deserving woman I felt like should deserve to have that too mm-hmm. if they wanted it. So then that, that went crazy and the next year I taught like 1,500 people and then oh. the next year it was like 3,000 people and and here we are. Like it, it changed an entire industry. Like now literally every great Airbnb you know has is a student of mine. Like Johnny Fleming? Yeah. Fleming? Yep. Yeah. He's, he's, he's in Tasmania at the moment. He sent me a DM. He's like, it's so funny. He's like, because he's look, he's staying in Airbnbs and looking at all those things. He's like, I can. He's like, Sarah's student, not Sarah's student. <laughs> like, he can instantly tell whether he's had a good experience or he wants to stay somewhere if they're a student or not. So he'll go and check, and they they are. They all playing like this fun game of <sighs> is this Sarah one of Sarah's students or not? I have like three people that I know, and I'm like. <laughs> I'll ask you after. I'm like, oh my god, I'm sure they must have studied with you. And so then we did business, which is called the hosting masterclass. Is that the right name? 
Yes, yes. So it just, it, it never was the intention, but it just became so successful so quickly. And I was just hanging on for the ride. I was like, oh my goodness. Like, you know, I had to go and film a school and create an online class, all things I'd never done before. And so far out of my comfort zone because I'm a very introverted person, very shy. And I had to get up and teach people for two days and get in front of a camera and do all these things that I just, I would stuff at night, my palms would sweat and I couldn't sleep, have nightmares, you know, and at the time I was still sick as well. So I was trying to kind of hide that I was sick, build up the bravery to do this thing. I was being pulled in every direction. So it was a tough time, but it felt like, you know, every single person who came to school would send me emails like six months later, a year later, two years later saying, like, you've changed my life. Like, look, mm-hmm. look at my life now. I'm, I'm now an interior designer and I have three successful properties and I'm a stay-at-home mom, which was my dream. And, you know, the list goes on and I can't, I couldn't not do it because I just, it was incredible to see what I could give people. Wow. Wow. I just, I feel like, I feel like my two and a half year old who says, wow, wow, and everything, but I really, it's just phenomenal what you've been able to achieve in such a short amount of time. You still got like more than half your life. I wonder what you'll get to do. You never know how much time you have, but I think it's like, I feel lucky enough in life where I've always been able to follow what I've been interested in Mm -hmm. and for no understanding at the time like I read a quote somewhere and it was like you can only connect the dots of your life looking backwards mm. and all of these things are now happening at a time like the sailing aimless traveling for like no reason I don't know why I'm traveling and the science and the design and captain's dress like it really all created this like masterpiece of new way of thinking and ideas that became the hosting masterclass that changed everything for so many people Yeah. And can I ask, because on the hosting masterclass, people might be listening to this thinking, well, that's great if you've got an Airbnb or you've got another property that you want to do something with, but it's also relevant people who are running hotels and shops. And is there any other kind of category? Because I know a lot of, a lot of my clients are people that run a small gift store or bookshop, you know, so people are listening who are in retail space, what could they get from this? So so my class, the hosting masterclass, like obviously we do go into specifics with homes and, and hosting, but mm-hmm. about 70% of it is design and story and business and marketing. And what we found was in the last couple of years, we got to a point where 40% of our students were there for their own small businesses or mm-hmm. homes. Mm-hmm. And we were like, why are you here? And they're like, we have been following you. We just want to know what it is that you do and what it is all your students are doing because everyone who does this class all of a sudden becomes really successful. So we want to know what the hell you teach. <laughs> yeah. And so they all became really successful. So at the end of last year, we released a brand new school, which is like basically my work in the package for anyone who's interested in their own homes or their own businesses. So it's called Principles of Styling and Storytelling. But they all started... We had 150 tickets for that to see how it would go and they all sold out in 24 hours. So we had yeah. our first student finish the class like 10 minutes before I jumped on this call. Oh. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like it's what I wanted. It's like the the more advanced hosting masterclass. So oh, 
Amazing. And so how did people go or how have they, are they going at the moment, like all your students, especially the ones who do have a property? Because I know you've talked about, well, I don't know if it was before we recorded or not, but you're in California and you were saying people are just going about their lives. And I, I imagine that they're traveling. I did a mastermind with a US woman early 2021 and the whole way through that, which was six months, 95% of the people in there were American or European and they were just traveling all the time. They're like, oh, I'm tuning in from Greece today. There's a wedding. And I was sitting here <laughs> in this lockdown like, what? What? I can't even go more than 10 kilometers down the road. And you're like going gallivanting everywhere. Yeah. And actually my the woman who ran it, she's like in Iceland at the moment and then she's going to you know Argentina. And so has has Airbnbs, not you know necessarily Airbnbs, whatever platform they use, have people, your students been really negatively impacted by COVID or do you think they've been positively because people can kind of, more people are choosing to stay local? Yeah, how's that all been for you? For me personally, you know, when all the lockdowns happened initially, obviously I couldn't even rent out cat address. I didn't have a home at the time, so I got to go and live there, which was great. I had a ball. I just drank champagne every day out my jetty. <laughs> I was like, the world is ending. Let's party. <laughs> you know, but the world didn't end. <laughs> so, you know, it was difficult for all of my students. And obviously we, we all talk constantly and it was awful for all of us because there was so much uncertainty for our businesses. But I just sort of told everybody what I was doing, which was like I'd finally got in, in there to repaint the house, which I desperately needed to do, but we're just always so busy. So I was focusing on what I could do to make my business better for when we could rent it out again. And I think the other thing is our students just make so much more money than everyone else in the industry. Like we had a student just open and she took $14,000 worth of bookings in the first week of opening, wow. you know. So we all kind of had enough to not be too worried about it for six months or a year, you know, before people start to necessarily worry. And now we are able to travel again. All of us are all booked out, you know. So we probably, they probably, I definitely think the tourism industry has and has been hit the hardest, but luckily of the people who are travelling, they obviously want to have the best experience they can and they're just mm. looking with students because they're offering something really wonderful for people to go and experience. So we're all thriving. Like Captain's Rest is booked out now till April again. Wow. So, you know, obviously I'm on lots of forums and things of looking at the industry at a whole and, and people are really suffering. Luckily we're not, I think, because we've been able to build the best businesses we can. And I've always given the advice to my students that <laughs> you should always plan for a rainy day because it will happen, you know. People just don't realize that the worst can happen and probably will at some point in their lives. So yeah. Yeah. And gosh, your background would have taught you that over and over with all yes. the things that had happened. Yes. I felt well equipped <laughs> the situation. Yeah. I was like, oh, I've got this. But you know, even in lockdown, it got to a point where I couldn't do it anymore. And I just thought if I can't do this, I don't know how other people are coping because I'm I've spent many, many months alone in the world in uncertainty. And I feel pretty good about that. But yeah, I, I got to the point where I felt like I was losing it in a mm -hmm. bad way. Gosh, yeah. I, I remember last year 
a lot of my friends don't have children and they might live by themselves and don't have a partner. And, and I remember there was constantly, like, if they complained, I feel like they'd always preface it by going, I know I don't have kids. I know it's not as hard. And I'm like, it's probably harder because you have no one around you. Like you are, yeah. you are in this place all the time. Like, and it, everyone's suffering is everyone's suffering. So there isn't, you know, oh, mine's worse than yours or whatever. But I wonder if you might have advice for people who are listening to this, because a lot of people in Australia, like I know in Melbourne right now, a lot of my friends and my husband and everything, we've been talking, like it is like a lockdown. We don't have a lockdown, but it's pretty much Mm -hmm. a lockdown. No one's going out. And so what advice, even just one tip or anything, do you have for someone who's by themselves right now and is like, here we go again? Oh gosh. (laughs) Sorry to Um, (laughs) Well, no, like I said, I didn't cope that well, (laughs) you know, um, I just had like a daily routine where I'd get up and walk for like a two hours. I'd just walk. Like one day I clocked up like 20Ks of just walking. I listened oh. to podcasts and then I would work, then I'd watch TV, then I would read and then I'd go to bed early. Like I just had this routine that kept me afloat. And then, yeah, I obviously tried to force myself to, to call people because you get into this weird space where you just don't want to talk to anybody, which is mm. weird, but. I felt like I didn't have anything to say like, and I wasn't good company either, so I just didn't. But I would, like, make myself even just reach out to a student on Instagram, like, how are you going? How are the renovations going? Like, just anything. I would just make myself make contact with somebody in some way. So I found that really helped. And then the other thing I can recommend, and I didn't learn this through lockdown, I've learned this through being having some hard times in my life. Whenever I felt really depressed, like, the best thing that's always helped me is helping other people. So when I was working on Captain's Rest and, like, learning how to rent it out, I made little canvas bags for my parents. My parents are canvas workers and I was living with them at the time. I was really sick. So I made these little canvas bags for people who had helped me on my journey just and sent to them. So I was, whenever I'm feeling like I've had hard times, doing small things to other people has always helped me immensely. Like, mm sending a card, like putting a letter in a neighbor's letterbox, helping someone on Instagram going through a hard time or I did a thing where I went through my clothes and I just sent things to random people who wanted them just for mm-hmm. no reason but to be nice. Like those sort of things are the best medicine I've always found. It doesn't have to be anything besides your time but stopping thinking about your own problems and, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like, it really helps. That's always helped me when I felt like that. So, oh, that's such amazing advice, and yeah, I completely, completely agree with that. And and it and giving is such a gift in itself. You know, giving anything, giving yeah. time, giving somebody a call that needs it. One of the things as well that you've done quite a bit, it seems, from your story so far, is this sort of starting over. Like starting over, you know, you, you yes. mentioned that you went through a divorce. You mentioned that you had a big health crisis or challenge you know, starting over in Australia again, starting over as a, as a Airbnb host, like starting a business, building an online course. Like it was just this, it's constant start again, start again, start again. And (laughs) and all of it has built. It's not like you're, you know, all the stuff that's come before has helped you with this. It's like compounded to give you great knowledge and insights. But there are a lot of people that listen to this. There are a lot of people that contact me on Instagram being like, I dream of having a business, but it would mean starting from scratch or it would mean being a new person again and, you know, everything's comfortable right now. Maybe they've paid off part of their mortgage and they get a good salary and 
and all of that. That was exactly me in my last corporate role. Like everything's easy and oh, yeah. I have to dive off the deep end. So do you have advice for anyone who's listening who has to start again in some capacity, whether it's starting again as, you know, after a marriage maybe or any relationship, yeah, what it would be your advice? I mean, I've got lots. <laughs> because I've, I mean, I've had to live with my parents twice as an adult and I let me tell you I never want to do it again because it was torture. <laughs> I'm so grateful for them. But, yeah, as an adult, having to live with mum and dad is not fun. But, yeah, I'm a boat accident and then again after my divorce. I think two pieces of advice I can give is always follow what genuinely interests you, like with no other reason or because it just interests you. Like right now I'm crazy. My partner's mother is crazy about needlework and she's been teaching me needlework and the history of it is more what I'm interested in. It's really beautiful to do. And for so long I've been looking at something that takes me offline and I found that the most soothing thing is in cross stitch, like in front oh, of the love TV. Or, but I don't know why I spend four hours there in cross stitch. <laughs> like, but I, I love it. I just, I think everything I've done in my life, which has been success, is because I've followed what I've genuinely been interested in. Just tease the thread and like whatever it is you're interested in, just start doing it without being a business like if you love I don't know growing apples just grow an apple tree and see if you like that and give some apples away and cook with them just start doing whatever it is that you want to do like if you want to be a have your own Airbnb like start learning about it you know go and stay with people that you admire follow them on Instagram and talk to them see where that thread lives because you might pull the thread and it and turns out you want to you're really passionate about creating spaces for weddings you didn't know that until you started doing that and maybe you could rent a space like I think the most beautiful thing is the beginner's mind and Mm. I think if you just are interested and start exploring things amazing things can happen and you can never see where that is you just have to start doing them so that's the first piece of advice the second thing advice is like everything I've lost in my life, like, you know, I've worked so hard going to university and buying a boat and a house and I lost everything. Like I washed up at mum and dad's with no money. Like they had to give me money to go and buy coffee to hang out with people mm. I knew in high school. Like that was the situation. None of it I miss. None of it I think I feel great pain about loss. Like at the time it's obviously awful, but yeah, there's, there's no, you know, in my marriage I lost everything too and I don't miss anything I had. I, I think as humans we have a resilience to move on and I remember being on the beach in Mexico about a month after my boat accident. I was living in this, like, tin shack with sand floors with no windows and no running water, no electricity, nothing, and I had no clothes and I had this, like, one paperback book that someone given me to keep me occupied in English and I cannot tell you the sense of happiness I had that was so weird of like everything is possible like I just felt so free I think all this stuff in our lives really does wear us down and a friend of mine said to me once every key on your keychain is like a noose around your neck you know the keys to your car the keys to your house the keys to your storage unit like and I had no keys I just felt so elated and now life is exactly what I can write it. I can choose any direction from here. It's a wonderful feeling to start fresh. And I think sometimes we suffer great loss, but 
we can move past that and it might be the most amazing thing for people mm. like the loss of a relationship or a home that you dreamed about your whole life that you had to sell or sometimes those things can be amazing experiences oh <laughs> I'm like yes yes just keep talking <laughs> oh my goodness I I so agree and I just think yeah it's that whole, you know, I know it sounds so cliche, but when one door closes, another door opens. Like I, I really do yes. all of those things. And every time you go through hardships or tragedy or anything, I just think you just, you learn so much and you grow and you're more empathetic and you have just more of a wider understanding of, of humanity, which I think just makes you a better person in general. Yeah. I just see life as like chapters in a book. You know, I had this chapter of being a professional, had this chapter of being a sailor, had this chapter of being a wife and a property owner and having all the stuff you should have at like 30 something. Now I have this chapter, you know, from teaching people and writing books and, you know, and then something else is going to happen at some point. And I think being able to be more comfortable with these chapters in your life make it just so amazing to to live yeah exciting about every that all you know coming to a close and all this new stuff happening so yeah and we're just both you know incredibly privileged to even have the opportunity to have choice as well like to be like what am I going to do next it's it's exciting and and wonderful and and amazing and and I think yeah just acknowledging also just even the privilege of having that decision because some people in in some I know i Every year I like to start the year with just posting my story on Instagram because over the year I get so many new followers and they have no idea how any of this came mm-hmm. about. They're like, oh, great, like a hosting class and a great place. They have no idea of the story about how it all happened. And this lady from France got in touch with me and she's like, oh, that, you know, sorry for my English and I hope this doesn't translate as being negative, but how did you have the money to go back to school after you lost everything in your boat happened? And I explained to her, like, in Australia you can get, like, a very tiny amount of money Oz study and you can defer your you know study fees until you start working at a lower interest rate so anyone education is act open to most people if they want it badly enough and it, her mind was blown she's like oh my god that's amazing like you don't have that in other parts of the world so we are pretty lucky you know mm. I started Captain's Dress with eight thousand dollars of savings and a credit card like ABC did like a news article a couple of years ago about like how I didn't have a full-time job I just owned this Airbnb and I and it made the front page of the ABC like website and it was like Sarah Andrews or something and then the byline was like a quote from me where I'd said I don't see why anyone needs to work (laughs) but what I actually said was like I don't see why anyone should work in a job where they're unhappy mm. if there are other opportunities out there for them. So they cut it short. But my oh, friend no. rang me that morning. He's like, do not read the comments on Facebook. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I jumped on Facebook. And there was so many, like, hundreds of people saying, like, this rich white girl, like, obviously got an inheritance. Obviously mummy and daddy have paid for this. And mm. it was so hard to read because not only was it such a small investment, in like a wild place but like at the time I think you know my divorce I lost everything but I also had to try and pay back nearly a hundred thousand dollars so I was like really in such a bad financial situation I made it happen yeah just the assumption that you know you need to be wealthy or have you know grandparents give you money to live your dreams is hard yeah yeah and I can't help but wonder if you were a man if, if the same comments. Yes, 
so many people said that they were like if this had been like a young guy they'd be like wow what an awesome guy you know entrepreneurial and gosh he must have worked hard and oh gosh yeah and also I think that even to that point of like financial or not I just think we just don't know what's going on behind anyone's doors ever yeah yeah even there's a guy I follow on YouTube I love and I was watching the latest video and it was all about his anxiety and I was like god you would not know that at all like he presents you know yeah you just don't know what's going on behind closed doors it is really hard like I you know Captain Jess became so so quickly but then my master classes did as well and at the time I was so sick like Mm. so so sick and I have an amazing lady who's worked for me from the start she was the first student at my first ever class like she was there at the door and she's never left my side and you know teaching workshops in those early years she really covered for me because I just it was everything I had to be able to teach and then I just had to retreat and mm. a lot of ladies like really, well, you know, certain people just really wanted too much of me and I just couldn't give it to them. Like I had my boundaries which really upset them and sort of caused all of this, like who does she think she is, mm. you know, like she's got someone like telling them she can't, they can't access her and, and it was really hard because I just didn't want to be public about what I was going through and you should never assume if someone can't give you their time or doesn't want to or doesn't smile all the time or whatever it is, you you never know what's happening in someone else's life. And I wish I could have communicated what I was going through. I just didn't want to be public about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And even that is a lesson for anyone, you know, boundary setting. And, yeah, I actually um, turned down a client last week and I didn't know how to email and kind of say everything because it just bought it and then I emailed as, as nicely as I could and I got a kind of a harsh response back and then I explained to the person I can't work with you because you work in an industry that has really negatively impacted one of my friends and I just wouldn't feel right it doesn't align with my values and we had a whole conversation it was great but I'm like I'm really glad that you were harsh in your response and that you actually replied to me because then I was able to, because he was like, yeah, I showed your email to my wife and she was like, oh, she's who does she think she is kind of thing. And I'm yeah. like, you just don't know what's going on behind closed doors at all and and everyone's got their own things coming from it. But you mentioned this woman that has been with you from the start and I'm wondering have you, because you teach people so much and you're a mentor and a coach and have you had mentors and coaches and have you, are there certain books you've read? Is there anything you'd recommend to people listening to this? Yeah, so I have. I mean, I've, I found it difficult in my life because what I do is so niche. Mm. Yeah, a designer that's really inspired me is Ilsa Crawford out of the oh, UK. Oh, amazing. Have you watched Abstract Art of Design? Yeah, <laughs> yes. And understanding her work had made me feel better at what I do because I don't come from the interior design world. Mm-hmm come from a science world and I had a lot of like imposter syndrome like who am I to be teaching this stuff you know like I know all my students become really successful but I don't have like 20 years in the interior design industry and so watching her work made me understand that I did I had something very different to offer that was very valuable and useful so the way that she approached her world I think understanding her life story was awesome yeah, that's probably the only one. And Amanda is, yeah, she's been with me for years and <laughs> she's kind of, she works for me, but I feel like I work for her. She's my <laughs> coach and mentor and confidant and, yes, giggle. I've worked, I'm very lucky to have a great working environment. 
Yeah. yeah. And with all your travel and the various businesses that, you know, you've got Captain's Rest, you've got the Hosting Masterclass, do you do you have really great tech systems? Like how does that all work? And also because you're a scientist and even before when you said when you were thinking, okay, this needs to become an Airbnb and you did all the research and you did modelling and and even before that with the boat when you said I, I started with a project plan and what sort of platforms are you using? Is there anything, again, that you'd recommend or a system or a way of working? I've always found you should never reinvent the wheel. Like there are amazing systems out there, just use them. So we use Instagram, Dropbox, Zero, Squarespace, like all the big names, Gmail. Like I've always found it easier to see that everyone's using. Like, you know, each of our study groups, the hosting masterclass are connected in a chat. So we don't use anything but an Instagram DM group. So it's just easier to use the platforms that everybody is easy mm-hmm. using rather than creating these whole new spaces that no one knows how to use and are expensive. So our business operations run really simply. Amanda does all of my our admin and things like that. It's yeah, not a complicated, not a complicated system. It's pretty basic. Oh amazing. And so what have you found hardest? It sounds like you've overcome a lot of things, but what have you found hardest about being a business owner? I'm not naturally outgoing. <laughs> like I'm very, very shy and very introverted. So doing such a doing a teaching job essentially was very difficult for me. And things like boundary setting people online and you know, I found that really interesting hard and I I think I made a lot of mistakes and handled things very badly I will say because I just didn't have the experience to handle things gracefully so for me the biggest challenge in the growth of my world my work world has been personal growth and learning about how what I do is bigger than me it's for other people so that's helped me get over my shyness because Mm -hmm. I want to give them what I have and I'm, I'm getting better at setting boundaries and better, getting better at being like not shy about telling people my boundaries and being very graceful about saying no to things I want to do. It's hard, but I'm getting better at it. I mean, business teaches you just so much about yourself. Yes. That's well. <laughs> all this other yes. finance and legal. and Oh, yes. <laughs> what are you most proud of then from your journey in business? So. Part of the hosting masterclass is styling. You know, obviously the feeling of a space is really important. And I broke down my my thoughts on putting things together beautifully into 10 principles to teach my students. So I really use like the intersection of art and design and science to put a framework around for people who just didn't feel creative because people don't, but they still feel passionate about hosting, but they don't know anything about design. And I ended up putting that into a book last year called Principles of Style, which went gangbusters. Like it's sold out in pre-sales and Mm. it's hard to get a copy and being able to give someone such a useful tool to make anything around them beautiful has been the biggest joy and I'm so proud of it. Like it's... Mm amazing to see my book up there selling with Ilsa Crawford's and Linda Gardner's and all of these people who I have loved for my entire life and people actually buying it and loving it like it's a really weird trip for me to be like wow it's so amazing that the way I do things is so useful and beautiful for them 
So that I think it's sort of that book is the culmination of where I'm at in my life right now, everything that's happened, and I'm very proud of that. Yeah, and so you should be. It's beautiful. And so what's next for you and where, if people are listening to this, I'm sure <laughs> I will get so many messages about this episode, what is next and where can people connect with you and, you know, what do you want them to kind of take away? What is next for me personally is I want to buy another boat. <laughs> so, yeah. so I've been threatening to do it for years. I'm like, ah, oh, this is the year. You know, I my in-person workshops are on pause for the foreseeable future, so I'm just teaching on Zoom. So I've said that why not? Professionally, our new school for everybody just opened and it is incredible the mm. feedback we're getting. So I'm so excited about that. I'm writing another book, which is Yay. amazing. And is that a design book as well? Yes. Yep. Yes. You need to write a book on your whole life as well. <laughs> like I know. I know. I do actually want to write the captain's rest story. I will chip mm. away at that and I'm on my boat, I think. But what else am I doing this year? That's it, I think. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. And we're still in a pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we are. I would like to go home at some point. That would be great. <laughs> I'm not stuck anymore. I'm not clear. Australia is still letting in only a certain amount of people or are we free to come no, home No, you're now? free now. And actually Scott, who is going to edit this, Scott from Sound Mind Editing, he, he's actually been stuck in Canada for 18 months and he just wow. came home like two weeks oh. ago. He had so many flights cancelled. I really, really felt for him. He's finally home. Yeah. Okay, that's good. I've got a flight booked for March, so I didn't know whether it would happen or not, but I'm, I'm really excited to see everybody and <laughs> go home, sleep in my own bed and go to my cabin. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And so... We'll link to all your websites and everything else. And if people want to book the cabin, well, they need to get in quick because it's booked up solid for a long time. Yes. But also, you know, most people book three to six months ahead for a holiday. So there's plenty of space for, for that. Those last minute bookings are a bit, a bit hard to get. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I would love to, love to host. And it's a special experience because people are walking into my world, which is... Mm probably couldn't be created if you tried it's sort of a special very special place yeah I really love to host people there it's really interesting to see what they think about it all you know knowing the story and yeah seeing it all happened oh I feel like I want to go there right now <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness. you can <laughs> come on. I would love to host you oh yeah. it, it looks so stay. magical yeah I, I'm totally going to check it out. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on and making time on your Sunday. It's been absolutely wonderful to chat to you. I could keep chatting for the next three hours, but I have to go and do a whole day of work. <laughs> and you need to get <laughs> yeah. back to your Sunday afternoon. Thank you so much, Sarah. And what an incredible story you have. Thank you for letting me share it. Yes, I'm back to cross-stitching. <laughs> yes, go and cross-stitch. Yes. All right. Yes. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Was that not just completely refreshing? <laughs> I just remember when I got off the Zoom call from Sarah after recording this and I just thought, wow, wow, there is a whole world out there to explore and she has certainly explored it and is continuing to explore. And so I would love to know what you took away from that. Please don't be a stranger. Please send me a DM. I'm at my daily business coach on Instagram. And as I mentioned before, you can find Sarah over at Sarah 
andrews.co on Instagram and we'll link to that in the show notes. But yeah, what things really resonated with you? What what did Sarah say that has just really struck a chord? I know there were so many things I could choose from, but two that I sort of thought about afterwards was the whole, you know, don't judge anybody else because you do not know what's happening behind closed doors. And Sarah talked about, you know, an element in her own life when just things were going on, but she didn't feel comfortable talking about them. And I know that especially with social media, we can see things all the time in just this single dimension of like Instagram and what what it appears to show us. And we never actually know what's going on behind closed doors. And I love that she talked about that. I love that she brought up her own life and, and examples where that has happened. I just think in business, it is so easy to look around and just feel like everything is easy for people or, you know, they've just been handed it or all sorts of things that we can conjure up completely, completely false narratives that we make up in our minds. So I love that she brought that in. My father used to say this all the time when I was growing up. And yeah, it is just something that really, really resonates with me whenever people talk about it, because you just do not know what is going on behind closed doors for most people. So, you know, just tread lightly, be kind always. I love that. The other thing that I loved that she talked about was the beginner's mind. I think she mentioned, you know, if you, if you're feeling pulled towards something, you know, I think, what did she say? Like pull on that thread and see where it's going to take you. And you just never know where it's going to take you. And she talked about the beauty of the beginner's mind because you haven't you haven't fully uncovered what you're going to do. And I don't think any of us really uncover what we're going to do. Our whole life is just one, you know, (laughs) uncovering after another in all parts of life, personal life, business, so many other parts. So yeah, I just love that idea of, you know, have a go, have a go. What's there to stop you? And even thinking, you know, in terms of Airbnbs, talking about, you know, go stay at some Airbnbs if you're able to and not in lockdowns and obviously also have the funds to do so. But you know, go and go and have a look, go and see what's happening, go and do some research. I loved also, this is something that came up in the recent interview that I did with Richard from Villino Coffee. And he said the same thing, like just take that first proactive first step. And I think we don't do that enough. And I think the older you get, it seems harder to do that, especially if you have a whole lot of responsibilities like a mortgage and kids and and elderly parents and, and other things. And you think, oh, but everybody's relying on me. I, I can't just go take a chance. But without taking that chance, what is life? (laughs) I know that's quite a big question, but what is it if you're not going to take those chances, even if they're really, really small or really big? And obviously if they're big, you're going to research it a bit longer, just in terms of, you know, just like Sarah said, yes, I looked at sailing, but she she also undertook a year of (laughs) learning. It wasn't like, I'm just going to buy a boat and I'm just going to wing it and figure it out as I go. I'm sure there was a lot of sort of figuring it out, but she also took the time to to do, you know, a lot of training to get the get the knowledge building up. So yeah, as I have said, I just really, really enjoyed that chat with Sarah. I'm sure so many of you will as well. So where can you connect with Sarah? As she said, you can go on over and find the hosting masterclass at the hosting masterclass on Instagram. You can also find out a whole lot at the hosting masterclass website, which is just the hosting masterclass, all one word, dot com. If you're interested in her new course, Principles of Styling and Storytelling, you can find that at principlesof.style. And of course, if you want to go and check out the Captain's Rest, you can find Captain's Rest on Instagram at 
Captain's Rest and there's a link tree in the bio and you can go and find out more about it and maybe book yourself a couple of nights there and just really, as Sarah said, get inside her world. So yes, absolutely lovely to talk to Sarah. I yeah would love to know what you thought of this and if you really, really enjoyed this and I'm sure you did, I would love it so much if you could just spend two seconds, not even just leaving a review. It just really, really helps us get found by other small business owners around the world who perhaps may really, really need a dose of inspiration right now. And that's exactly what this episode offered. So thank you again, Sarah, for coming on and thank you for listening. As always, the show notes will be over at mydailybusinesscoach.com forward slash podcast forward slash 178. All right. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the My Daily Business Coach podcast. If you want to get in touch, you can do that at mydailybusinesscoach.com or hit me up on Instagram at mydailybusinesscoach. 